0: okay everybody hi great to be with you isn't that funny for me to say great to be with you in what sense am i with you well i really am with you but i'm not physically with you but i am with you anyway i analyze everything so forgive me (laughs) it's a very strange beginning but it's the whole thing spontaneous on behalf of otto i welcome you and otto welcomes you on behalf of me what's he doing oh he's awake he's yeah. well wow, this is a major moment to have a fireside chat. Mm-hmm. it's a special dog all right everybody so what I do each week and we haven't missed in years now Wow okay. is offer you some thoughts about life or about current events and then take your questions So I have an interesting uh, question and an important one. I'm not going to address the whole issue of the American elections being honest, not honestly counted. I just want to address one interesting moral question that uh, is worth thinking about. Donald Trump has been accused by Uh, all of the left, Democratic Party, the the various newspapers and and social media and so on for four years of being a white supremacist, a fascist and a dictator. Right? I mean that's normative accusations of Donald Trump. So if you are counting ballots, you're a Democrat, in a democratic controlled city and, and area precinct or county, and you have the chance to, to cheat with regard to the voting count, and you believe that Donald Trump is a fascist and a white supremacist and a dictator, why wouldn't you cheat? I would. I admit it. If I were counting votes in any, in any country and I believed that a, a candidate that I could stop from winning by cheating was a fascist and a white supremacist and a dictator, I would cheat. I mean, just there. There were times when cheating or lying is moral. If if I were saving a Jew, I was hiding a Jew in Nazi-occupied Europe, and uh, the Nazis came to the door and said, "Are you hiding a Jew?" I would lie. <laughs> it would be the right thing to do. Preventing a a fascist white supremacist dictator from becoming the leader of a country is the right thing to do. So I'm not making any accusation, I am, I am only saying that there is no moral reason why a democratic operative in, in a voting center wouldn't feel morally obligated to cheat. So either they have been saying these things just to uh, just to attack the president, or they uh, and, and not really believe it, just said it for effect, or they really believe it, and I and I think they really many of them really believe it. So what's to stop them? Not not morality. Just a thought. Another subject. Related to uh, not to the count, but related to the uh, the issue of uh, how Americans are getting along. Right after the twenty sixteen election, the New York Times, uh, when when uh, when Donald Trump was elected president, to everybody's shock, including my own, I might add. <laughs> There was a front page article in the New York Times about a week later, because in the United States, and I'm saying this because a lot of you are outside of the United States, in the United States, we have the big holiday of Thanksgiving a few weeks after Election Day. And the article in the New York Times noted that Thanksgiving was going to be disrupted in many homes because... A lot of people were not prepared to have a Thanksgiving dinner with a friend or relative who had voted for Donald Trump. We, we don't know of anybody, I mean I'm sure it exists, but we don't know of anybody where it went the other way around. Oh, you voted for Hillary Clinton, uh, I won't have Thanksgiving dinner with you. <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing because I, I simply don't, I can't imagine somebody saying that. I'm not saying it hasn't been said, but I can't imagine it being said. And this has been a crisis for uh, four years in the United States of, uh, of terrible proportions to the extent, and I know about it, to, to the extent that uh, children, and I don't mean 10-year-olds, I mean 25, 30, 40-year-olds, won't talk to a parent who voted for Donald Trump. Uh, Parents call me up and tell me that their children not only don't talk to them, they don't allow them to see their grandchildren, the children of the children, because the parent slash grandparent voted for Donald Trump. And this is One of the reasons that I believe that the left, not liberals, I always make a distinction. There's a huge distinction between a liberal and a leftist. This is one of the the many reasons I have come to understand that the left is a cult. Because one of the distinguishing characteristics of cults is that they frequently sever relations between the members of the cult and their parents. Breaking up uh, family ties is a, a very common thing in cults, and breaking parental authority is huge. They, You owe them nothing. You owe the cult everything. And when I was talking about this on my radio show, I offered this thought. One way of measuring an, an ideology, secular or religious, is how does it affect a person's relationship with his or her parents? Does it bring parents and children together or does it separate and alienate them from one another? So I was thinking about Uh, children, adult children, who uh, become Christian or become religious Jews. And in, in every case that I know, doesn't mean in every case on earth, but in every case that I know, it actually brought parents and children more together, even if the parents did not accept that religious faith. but. Christianity and the Christian faith, Christianity, uh, Orthodox Judaism uh, would tend to have you try to reconcile with your parents because if nothing else, both accept the Ten Commandments, which has a law, the famous law, honor your father and mother. There's no such law in leftism. And that's, that's a big difference. So when you measure or judge what ideology to adopt, the consequences of that ideology are very important for you to take into account. Will I be a kinder, finer human being, not just am I taking a great position, How will it affect me? Will I be kinder? Will will I be more desirous of bonds with with the people in my life? Will I I be a, a more wonderful, honest human being? Those are very important considerations. And my experience in life has been that the more left people get in most in most instances the the, more, the meaner they get i hate saying this cuz i wish it weren't true it's i don't told, again i don't hold this true for liberals i don't hold this true for conservatives but it seems to be that way to stop talking to a parent because they voted for someone you can't stand, wow. I I know this comes as a shock to a lot of people on the left, but people on the right couldn't stand Hillary Clinton as much as people on the left couldn't stand Donald Trump. But they didn't stop talking to their parents or deprive their parents of their grandchildren if the parent voted for Hillary Clinton. It's a very important question. What type of person does an ideology produce? Okie let's go to your questions. And we begin with... Hi. Hi, my name is Reezy, I'm 20 years old, and I'm from New York. I had a question regarding abortion. So, recently, I've seen the claim going around that people who are pro-life aren't actually pro-life, they're just pro-birth and don't care about what happens to the baby after it's born. I was wondering how you would respond to that claim. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Razie. Uh, I uh, I just want you to know that you've seen that claim. You're 20 years old. So you've seen that claim going around, and I want you to know that this claim went around when I was 20 years old. <laughs> it is it is a, a typical left-wing attack on people they differ with, that uh, they're really just scum. That's that's the general left-wing view of people they don't agree with. I've never quite seen the proof to that horrible charge. We just want you born, and then we don't give a damn about you. It's so preposterous. So here, here's a very simple question. I've never seen the data but I've lived a, a full and long life and I can tell you uh, that uh, I would love to see the data on who is more likely to adopt a, a child uh, with disabilities a leftist or a religious Christian and I would bet my house and that's, that's a big deal. I love my house, and it's the essence of the, uh, the savings I have. Uh, but I would bet my house that, I, that uh, uh, disproportionately the, uh, the pro-life Christian, Catholic Christian, is more likely to adopt a child with disabilities than a uh, pro-choice leftist okay that's real life that's not one of these generalized attacks I have no problem with generalizations providing they're based on reality so uh, what they what they mean I assume is they don't care about when people are born because they're against uh, bigger government but that you could say about people who are have nothing to do with abortion Their belief is that if you don't want the government to constantly get bigger, you don't care about people. Of course, it's often quite the opposite. Because the more the government takes care of people, the less people take care of people. That's why Americans, well, first of all, conservatives give more charity uh, than uh, people on the left, including liberals. That's just data. You could check that data. Do conservatives or liberals give more charity uh, in, in the volunteer more time, ask uh, look, that, look that stuff up. But the, what we really have, it's cle- even clearer than that, is Americans give more charity and volunteer more time uh, than Europeans do. And there's a very simple reason. Europeans are trained, because they're, they're all trained by the left, they are trained to believe that the government will take care of the poor and the sick. I don't have to take care of the poor and the sick. I don't even have to take care of the poor and sick in my own family. The government will. That's, that's, that is why I have a speech on the Internet. I gave it at the University of Wyoming. Socialism makes you selfish. And you should, uh, if I may say that, you should watch it. Uh, Okay, Amy 27, Germany. Hi, Mr. Prager. I'm an Egyptian. So I guess it's Ami, not Amy. I'm an Egyptian studying in Germany. Your wisdom is something I wait to listen to every week. Thank you. My question is, what do I do if both my professors and other students in class are always very aggressive in attacking conservatism slash capitalism? I feel like giving up and just keep my views to myself because the aggression escalates very quickly and I feel alone in the fight." First of all, let me just say that if you're an Egyptian living in Germany, obviously your two primary languages are Arabic and German, it's pretty good English. Yes. I got to say that, that's, uh, I mean, I hope I meet you once or even twice so well, let's see what do i do about uh they uh, they escalate uh, the aggression you feel like giving up so i've been thinking about this a lot because i've been getting this question for years if i speak up i again i may lose my family like i just described earlier I may lose friends i may be uh you know removed from everybody's facebook page i may be attacked on social media I may even get fired from my job I may get a lower grade in college I am aware of all of that because the left is mean and that's, that's true we don't do that to them so here is a thought 70 million Americans voted for Donald Trump 70 million Americans, essentially, uh, or whatever the, the number would be, but half of America voted uh, conservative, voted Republican. Imagine if they all spoke out. Imagine if 70 million Americans just decided, I don't care about what will be done to me on social media or by friends who really don't like me, apparently, but I am no longer willing to hide what I stand for, The country, this country would change radically for the better, because they believe correctly that if they bully conservatives enough, they will force them to shut up. I receive letters because I'm involved in music. I receive letters from members of of orchestras in the United States, and they they tell me that they they just can't say anything uh, for fear of if they you know they may get thrown off the orchestra, but their bigger fear is just being ostracized by their colleagues, which is a bad thing in an orchestra. <laughs> You, you need each other very much in an orchestra. But I, I know how prevalent this is, and we need a campaign to get people to speak up. If, if one-tenth of those who voted for Donald Trump came out of the closet, it would be very dramatic. Seven million Americans just saying, I, I, I will no longer... Uh, be bullied by left-wing totalitarians. So I would say to you, Ami, that's right. You're not the only one in Germany who thinks like you do. There aren't many, but they're not non-existent either. So good luck. It's easier for me to advise than for you to do. I fully acknowledge that. But that's my advice. Rui, sixty Belém para Brazil. Mr. Prager, I'm a Brazilian fan of yours. Thank you. Obrigado. My question is: Do you really, and really is capitalized, think multi-millennial Judeo-Christian Western civilization has any chance to survive 50 more years? I don't. Capitalized D-O-N apostrophe T. Unfortunately, it's doomed to perish by 2050. Well, so let me tell you, as the Judeo-part of the Judeo-Christian, and I'm a big believer in Judeo-Christian values, that uh, there, one guy who wrote, one author wrote a book about the Jews, and he called them the ever-dying people. Jews are always dying out And by golly, they're still here. This is not going to die out. It's inconceivable. You think by 2050, every Christian is going to end up being a secular leftist? I'll tell you an interesting thing. It is growing. It's growing in Africa. Uh, I expect an African pope uh, in in the not-too-distant future. I uh, I see uh, both Protestantism and Catholicism having a renaissance in Africa. So uh, the, the West is, has decided to die. It's, 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 it, they don't have children, they get married much less, they, they have far fewer children. It's all because of secularism. Religious people have children. The secular uh, are uh, preoccupied uh, with uh, climate change and uh, so they'll, uh, they'll reduce carbon emissions and no longer have a Western Civilization. <laughs> we live in the the realm of the absurd. So, uh, I would not make the prediction that you did, uh, but I will say religious people have to know how to make the case for religion. And very few do. For most religious people, religion is a habit, not an intellectual conviction. And I I blame religious people as much as I blame the anti-religious, in other words, 50-50, for the decline in Judaism and Christianity, because it has been rendered habit rather than uh, an intellectual, moral powerhouse that it is. So I guess this is a good chance for me to tell you, if you want to know this in depth, please read my two volumes, third volume is coming out next year, of my commentary called The Rational Bible. It is completely reason-based. It explains the most important text to Judaism and Christianity, the first five books of the Bible. Everything else is based on on those five books. It's called The Rational Bible. Genesis and Exodus are out. Deuteronomy is coming out next year. Even if you're an atheist, You you owe it to the West and you owe it to yourself to see what an intellectual explanation of those books consists of. All right. Amanda 38, St. John, Indiana. Hello, Dennis. My husband and I have eight children. Eight boys to be precise. That is mind-blowing. Eight boys. Amanda, so like do you like escape to girlfriends? You are living in Testosterone City. That is mind-blowing. I wonder how many people have had eight boys or eight girls. We love having a big family and feel it is a blessing from God that he has entrusted us with so many children. It is a blessing. However, when we go anywhere, strangers look at us like we have two heads. Now, that is interesting. I'm going to talk about that in a moment we get all sorts of questions and comments some are nice but most are not that I I I have to say I'm I'm a little uh, surprised why would someone make a not nice first of all to make a not nice comment to a stranger takes a particularly ugly human being but uh, but a not nice comment over having eight children Women are act shocked that I would choose to give birth eight times and be a homemaker. It was not that long ago in America, so it must be then, I guess, women making these comments. I believe that. I can't imagine a man making a comment to a family. Oh, I can't believe you're doing that. Uh, which is one of the reasons, by the way, that I've never bought the idiocy that women are superior to men. Both sexes have wonderful human beings and both sexes have disgusting human beings. And that's the way it is. It was not that long ago in America that large families were the norm. When do you think that changed and why are large families now looked on as strange? Thanks for your thoughts. I love listening to you. It changed uh, in after the 50s as America went secular left. It's a combination of, of secularism and leftism. And uh, the you represent what they loathe a family-based life you see if you were the CEO of a um, I don't know a fashion design firm whoa, whoa that is a big deal but that you are raising eight human beings to be good citizens good human beings Oh, that's what a waste of a life. You understand how perverse it is? (laughs) Now, you should really get a life if you're a young woman, major in gender studies. Then you will really have an important life. Whereas having kids, having a husband and kids, what a waste. That's how sick it's become. It's all inverted. It's truly inverted. Leftism is a form of moral chaos. Ben, 19, Westminster, Colorado, Mr. Prager, and the world's most famous dog, Otto. Yeah. Otto's immediate response to hearing his name must move you. I would like to begin by saying your fireside chats have brought a lot of joy and wisdom into my life. Excellent. I am currently reading your book, Think a Second Time. And I recently ordered, Happiness is a Serious Problem. Thank you on both. Think a second time is 44 essays on 44 subjects. It's, a, it's the perfect introduction to my thoughts on a lot of subjects. Think a second time. I was curious if you talk about insecurities in that book, the book on happiness. I was also wondering if you could give a short answer on how you personally deal with insecurities. Thank you and God bless all those at PragerU. Thank you. God has blessed all those that pray for you. I think they feel it. Isn't that right to say? It's a very good question. I don't address the issue of insecurities in the happiness book. And you have prompted me uh, to raise that issue on my happiness hour so I could talk it over with people who call in from the millions of listeners. I've gotten a lot of wisdom, massive wisdom, uh, from my listeners So I will, I will raise that issue. Everyone on earth has insecurities, everyone. And part of the antidote I suspect is the great famous idea, know thyself. See I, I knew at a very early age what I wasn't good at and probably would never be good at. And what I did was concentrate on what I was good at and I, I simply allowed and I'm not saying this is a perfect answer at all to your question uh, but I'm, I'm referencing my own life because that's the life I know best and what, what I would do is by excelling in certain areas the areas where I wasn't excellent or felt insecure in became less important. Everyone needs an area to feel good about themselves in. And and by the way, I I believe that there are two things that allow that. You earn it. That's the biggest. But also, you you may have it built in. If you you, uh, are you know endowed with perfect pitch i'll use a musical example you know you, it's a gift there you know you can give 50 kids piano lessons and you know 3 of them are gifted pianists 47 or not but they could still learn to play the piano uh, nicely but very few are gifted but the gifted the 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 i know musicians so a lot of them are very secure in their music but not necessarily as secure socially you know they would feel very funny getting up in front of a group and giving a speech i would have the opposite i i i find talking to groups effortless uh and i on the other hand i i knew at an early age i i was never going to be a good instrumentalist that's why i learned to conduct because that was my way of playing an instrument the orchestra I think focusing on on what you can do well will help you and no, this will also help everybody has insecurities that comes with the deal when you're born so I hope all of this was thought-provoking thanks for being with me I'm Dennis Prager this is Otto I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching this video. To help keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax deductible donation.